the types of shows that transition well from host to host. They are, are topical shows where people are there for the topic that's being discussed more than they're there specifically for that host. Storytelling show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network. Available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? You might be wondering, should I sell my podcast? Do you want me to? It's a serious question. That is now a thing at the podcastbroker.com. And that's uh, Heather Osgood's new project or, or new arm of her business. She was previously on the show talking about um, podcast advertising. So this is an interesting uh, endeavor, in my opinion. And I'm interested to find out who should actually list their podcasts. Why should they list them? Is it worth selling your podcast? And, you know, how do you decide? So, so many questions that I don't know the answers to. Let's get Heather on the show here and find out what prompted her to start the podcastbroker.com and what goes into selling your podcast. Heather, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Oh, great to be here. Really great to have you back. Um, so I ran across this. I think you just posted about it on LinkedIn. I was like, what? What's going on here? And certainly reached out to you right away to to even get my own podcast listed. Yes, you heard that right. My podcast is for sale. Talk to Heather. Don't talk to me. Um, but what prompted you to start this, the podcast broker? And, and um, you know, what's the interest out in the market? Yeah, for sure. So um, being in the podcast industry for several years now, I've had the experience of dealing with a lot of independent podcasters. And one of the things that's so amazing about independent podcasters is that they are so creatively minded. Um, most of them have a full-time job and they do their podcasts on the side. And one of the things that I have discovered through my work with independent podcasters is that most of them are not super business minded. And oftentimes I would have conversations with podcasters who would have really great shows. Maybe they've been doing it for many years and they would say things like, I think I'm just done. I think I'm going to stop producing episodes and, you know, kind of, you know, throw the towel in on the show. I'm just tired of doing it. And while I totally understand getting to a place where you're just done producing shows or you feel like the show maybe has run its course with you personally, I really was always encouraging people to sell their shows. I was like, hey, you've got an amazing show. It is an asset. You should sell it. You shouldn't necessarily just stop doing it. And uh, the, the reality was is that the average podcaster was like, how do I go about selling my show? I have no idea where to start. I have no idea what my show is actually worth. And so they wouldn't do anything really is what seemed to happen. And so for several years, I had been thinking, gosh, if I just had the bandwidth, I would love to buy and sell full podcasts. And so I had shared that um, idea with some colleagues of mine, uh, the founders of RSS.com, which is a hosting uh, company. And they said, Heather, we should really do this. They had the technical background to really be able to support me in building something um, because they had built software products before. And so we have, have partnered up to start the podcast broker and 
really the interest has been pretty amazing. I've had a lot of people um, who are interested in both selling and buying their shows. I mean, it's it's certainly interesting to me, and and I'm always, you know, it's it's my baby, right? I mean, part of the reason I'm doing this is I enjoy the guests, you know, I enjoy what we're talking about. And I always learn something new. Uh, and sometimes we have lively debates because I say one thing and they say, you're totally full of it, Christoph. That's not how it works. Here's how it works. And I think that's great too. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, maybe it's, maybe somebody else can make better use of it. And, and just because I'm selling a podcast though, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm done podcasting, right? I mean, or does it? No, absolutely. Absolutely not. I think one of the things that's the biggest surprise for me, we started the company, which we started at about the middle of August um, of 2022. And um, I kind of expected that we were going to get a really big influx of shows that wanted to sell their podcast, but I was concerned we wouldn't have as many buyers. And so one of the things that surprised me is how many buyers have come to us and said, Hey, we really want to buy shows. What do you have that you can sell us? And in many cases, more than I expected, they are wanting to purchase shows with hosts who are established, who want to stay on and continue running their show and continue, you know, hosting their show. But these buyers are looking to buy that intellectual property. They want to build a network or, you know, we have seen in situations, of course, like Gimlet or Wondery, where these much bigger companies have been able to sell for quite a lot because of the podcast that they've owned. So just because you're selling your show does not mean that you have to stop doing it. In many cases, it might mean that you're just going to get additional support that you haven't been getting when you've been podcasting on your own. And certainly if you go that route, you have to kind of think about uh, the process a little bit, right? Like my process, I own the process. Nobody tells me how to do anything. Uh, and then you might have, you know, they might have a different creative vision or a different area or, or whatever it might be. Um, so I mean, maybe this is my theory and you tell me if I'm how far I'm off or, or, or whatnot, um, but podcasting takes a tremendous amount of time to actually get it to work. I mean, if I'm thinking about this show, I've been at it for about three years, roughly, almost four years, and it really didn't take off. Like the numbers didn't go. I mean, I would say they're through the roof in my in my uh, world. Um, until maybe a year ago, right? And before mm -hmm. that, it was kind of like, dip, 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 you know, slow but steady. And then all of a sudden, you know, it it, it in increased quite a bit. Is that the biggest advantage for companies to buy podcasts? Because you already have an established RSS feed, you already have an established audience, you already have all those things, and people are already paying attention as opposed to starting from ground zero. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I started in the podcast space, it was the beginning of 2016. And at that time, there were 450,000 podcasts. And now, you know, you could look at all kinds of different metrics or numbers out there, but the number of 4 million has definitely been thrown around. Many of those are podcasters who go on platforms like Anchor and create a couple of episodes. So, you know, we've got those in the mix. But regardless of how you're really breaking down that number, there are a lot of podcasts out there now, and there didn't used to be so many. When I work with podcasters, I think one of the fascinating pieces for me has been that when I talk to somebody who has been podcasting, let's say, you know, for the last 10 years, 
they may have a huge audience and tens a lot, really. I mean, it could even be like the past five or six years. Um, they have a, a substantial audience. And then I've seen these same podcasters go and start new shows where they're like, Hey, I'm going to start a new, a new show. They have this expectation that their audience is just going to take off, right? Because they've got an established show with a really nice size audience. And it doesn't. And the reason that it doesn't is because it's harder to build an audience today than it was when they started their show in, you know, prior years. So if you are going to start a podcast today, certainly there are lots of great methods for growing that audience, for getting in front of people. Um, you know, we've seen many of them and, uh, we know that it works to grow an audience. So if you want to start from scratch, you can do that. But as you mentioned, Christoph, I mean, it takes time and it takes a lot of energy. So if you can essentially get ahead of that, if you can purchase an established podcast, you're taking away that time period where it's really going to be a lot of effort to cultivate an audience. So that's really, I would say the very biggest advantage in purchasing a show is that established audience. Well, and you know what, this is with all the hubbub around Twitter right now, and I'm not going to give you my opinion. Maybe I just did on what my opinion is on Twitter currently, but um, everybody's moving to other networks, right? And I'm looking at these other networks and I'm like, I have zero connections, <laughs> right? So I literally have built everything from scratch and that takes today than it did take, you know, 10 years ago when I, or 14 years ago, I guess, when I first joined Twitter roughly. Um, so that is something to keep in mind. Building your audience is harder and harder. Now, as, so when I think about podcasting, I see really two tracks and, and maybe you know of more, but one is the branded podcast. We talked about that with Allison um don't remember her last name now allison talked about branded podcasts and then we have like the creator content podcast mm -hmm. right so like at my day job we do a branded podcast i don't think that's going to be for sale ever probably on its own right because mm -hmm. we use that to get content to sell product right uh, but then this podcast is more on the creator side right more traditional media kind of kind of podcast which pot and then i don't know if there's others but please let us know if there are but but what kind of podcasts are best suited for um for, for purchase yeah so that is such a good question and i think that when you're analyzing the types of podcasts um really what we've been talking about is that they kind of fall into two different buckets so you have the artistic endeavor uh the podcast that's really a creation um, that, you know, could go in many directions. It could be, you know, perhaps a fiction podcast. It could be that someone in particular, you know, a big name celebrity has, has identified themselves with the podcast. And that is a very different show than a commoditized podcast. And commoditized shows really are podcasts where you could very easily transition hosts without a huge impact. Um, you know, one of our shows recently, um, there's a great business book out there called The One Thing that was written by Gary Keller. And at True Native Media, we represent that podcast, sell ads on the show. And they recently went through a host change. So they had a host that worked at the company. The um, host decided that they wanted to make a change in their life. They left the company and they left the show. And there are new hosts that have come in and that show has not 
skipped a beat. It has, we haven't seen a decrease in listenership. We haven't seen any comments from people where they're like, Hey, I really miss the old host. Where's he at? And part of it is because the listeners were there for the host in part, but they were there for the content that they were receiving. And, you know, and you could say maybe it was slightly a branded podcast because it's associated with the one thing company, but really it's a business show. And that's the roots of what it is, is this business show. So when you think about shows that, that are, you know, to a certain extent commodities, they're much easier to sell. So you think about Business shows certainly have been the highest in demand. People love business shows and want to buy business shows. Um, we also can think about health and fitness, right? If I'm talking about how to lead a, a healthy lifestyle, I could be talking about it as a host or someone else could be, and you're still there for those tips. Um, you could think about any sort of advice show, whether it's, you know, a lifestyle show, whether it's about a certain, um, area, you know, we've got a, a podcast that I'm talking to right now that's into the loyalties program. So she makes content for companies that want to create loyalty programs for their businesses. She's a great host, but somebody else could also step into her shoes. So when you think about the types of shows that transition well from host to host, they are, are topical shows where people are there for the topic that's being discussed more than they're there specifically for that host. And maybe that is a good reason why my podcast is up for sale, because even though I talk on here, even though I share my opinions, it's not like I'm Katie Feeney on TikTok, right, who's dancing at Washington Commanders games and other places. If it's not her dancing, like it's a very different show. If I'm not the one asking you the questions, it's still the same topic, right? I mean, anybody could ask the question. Certainly some people say, or maybe I like to think that I, I bring some personality into things, but but really it's not about me as much as it is about the topic, as about as it is about the guests, as it is about, you know, what are we sharing overall? Now, um, so when I got your message, I think I saw it on LinkedIn. I was like, well, okay, I'll message her. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know. If, is it big enough? Is it, you know, whatever? What are you going to be asking for? And um, certainly there is um, revenue from the traditional media side, but I don't actually go out and sell, right? So every mm -hmm. revenue I make, it just kind of happens organically. I don't ever go out and say, hey, do you want to buy an ad? Hey, do you want to do whatever? It just happens, right? Um, so when I send that to you, I was happy to get your response back. Yeah, we'll list your podcast. But how do you decide? Um, I mean, is there like a number? I know the last time you were on, I think you said um, something about 5,000 downloads per episode to make ads work or something like that. I could be mistaken. Uh, but is there like a number or or is it case by case? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been so fascinating. So for, you know, many years now, I've been selling advertising on shows. That's what I've done is sold podcast ads. And when you're talking about selling ads to a lot of different shows, the CPM pricing really comes into play. So uh, whether it be the advertiser that's really dictating the CPM or the podcaster really wanting a certain CPM, that has been a critical piece is to think about that CPM. And what's been so fascinating to me 
is on the flip side, getting all of these different shows who have come to the podcast broker who have said, Hey, I've got this size of an audience and I'm making X number of dollars. And you know, some podcasts are extremely profitable, even though they're really a pretty small audience. And Part of the reason that they are so profitable is because they're reaching a very specific niche and reaching that very specific audience is going to be more valuable. You know, you had mentioned branded podcasts and, you know, one of the things that I really think that we're going to see um, a certain percentage of these shows be purchased by brands that want to have their own podcast. And either the topic of that podcast is going to be representative of something that they want to speak about, or it's going to be that they really just want to have their own show to create a voice for themselves or to market their own products. So, you know, there, there certainly is a lot in terms of the spectrum of what works to be sold for podcasts. So it, it isn't as cut and dry, I would say as the advertising front, you know, when we're talking about buying ads or selling ads, you really do need to have a certain size audience for it to make sense for an advertiser to specifically buy your podcast. But when we're talking about selling the whole show, there's so much more that goes into it beyond just the audience size. Now, of course, audience size is important. You know, I have, as I had predicted, gotten people who say, hey, I started my show in July. I've got 25 downloads. What can you sell the show for? And you know, I kind of have to laugh and <laughs> you just be like, nothing. No one wants to buy those 25 people who happen to stumble across your show, right? There is nothing that is sellable there. But if you do have an established audience, and I would say you really need to have at least more than a thousand downloads a month for it to be something that's going to be sellable. But, you know, if you've got a very specific audience that you're reaching, that is going to be sellable. Um, and your audience maybe doesn't need to be as large to actually sell your show. You know, and of course, we're always striving to build our audience and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. But I, I'm glad you said that in because I've had more than more discussions in my lifetime than I ever would want to admit about people asking for bigger numbers, larger numbers. We need 7,000 leads. And we're like, how did you even come up with that number? Do we even have 7,000 people in this market? <laughs> you know, um, so our companies, it sounds like companies might be getting around to understanding that more than perhaps eight years ago or 10 years ago. Is that, uh, am I paraphrasing that too, um, too nicely or am I accurate? Yeah, I think you are accurate. Um, I also think that it depends a lot on what that company's goals are, right? So if you've got a buyer who's looking to build a network of shows, they just want to get as many podcasts as they can, they are going to be looking at it as a fixer upper podcast, right? So I like to kind of equate uh, you know, buying and selling podcasts to real estate. Cause I think it's something that we can all relate to, um, you know, to a certain degree, if I'm going to buy a show where I can just take over the show and it's a turnkey show, it's got an established audience. It's got established revenue. The host is going to stay in place. That's going to come at a higher price than if I'm going to buy a show where I see a lot of potential in that show, right? So it's very possible that someone from a network perspective might say, hey, 
I really want to buy 10 shows or 20 shows. And I realize I'm going to get these shows kind of at the ground floor. Like maybe I can improve their cover art. Maybe I can improve their audio quality. Uh, maybe we haven't, you know, this podcast hasn't marketed themselves at all. And so we're going to run ads to promote the show. Um, we're going to, you know, help the, the host get better guests. So there could be a lot of different things that a network owner could do to a show to really grow the audience. And, you know, getting back to your original uh, question about audience size and who would want pay for it, you still need to have that foundation, right? Somebody still wants to know that there is a level that they're, they're kind of skipping the line instead of starting from scratch. They're able to step into something that's more established. But I do think that in terms of pricing out shows, those are important things for us to look at too, right? Is this a fixer upper podcast where you're coming in and you're going to have to do quite a bit of tweaking to get it to a level of profitability, or is it already profitable and you can essentially just step in and start collecting money from it? So, you know, very different types of approaches in purchasing shows. It's just very interesting too. I never thought of the buying a network of podcast shows. Very interesting. So now you have, you know, a, a cadre of, of podcasts that you can make use of. Very interesting. So like in my example that I mentioned earlier, I mean, my podcast, let's say somebody were to buy it. I mean, it could be if it has sales support, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the revenues could be even higher because as I said earlier, somebody comes to me, I sell them something, but I'm not calling people. I'm not doing cold emails. So from that perspective, if a company wanted to go down that route, uh, that could be a definite improvement. And there's a lot of potential there. Now, how do we, let's talk about money for a second. How do you figure out what the right price is for a podcast? You know, I mean, it's like, is it like, you know, you come in with a number and you think, oh, this would be nice. Do people have expectations because they saw some HBO show being sold for two million um, and they think that's what their podcast should be because it's their cute baby? Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you even where do you even start to figure out what a good price is? Yeah, I feel like certainly that has been my job and it has been a difficult job. I will not say that it has been easy. Uh, and, and there's really there has been one kind of platform that I have taken for pricing of shows. And that is if we did nothing to this show today, how much programmatic ad revenue could the podcast produce? So what I mean by programmatic ad revenue is those are ads that automatically could potentially be inserted in the podcast um, through ad selling networks. So, you know, companies like Spotify are doing a lot of ad selling right now. Um, companies like VoxNest, uh, you know, do a lot of programmatic ad buying. So if we were able to put this podcast on a hosting platform where they would just inject ads and the owner, this new owner essentially didn't have to do anything, how much money could they make off of that audience. So for me, that's kind of the baseline because with a lot of these shows that are making a lot of money, a big part of the reason they're making a lot of money is because the host of the show is a full-time salesperson, right? They're out there pounding the pavement. And so, you know, I think that that is a really important thing to factor in. If I buy this show, am I willing to spend 40 hours a week selling ads on the show. And if I'm not willing to spend 40 hours a, a week selling ads, the revenue is going to drop 
relatively quickly and, you know, to an extreme amount. So I feel like we really do have to look at what the show can produce from a programmatic standpoint. Um, and so that's kind of the foundation. Now, one of the things that I have done is I've said, hey, based on all of these different indicators, this is what I think your show is worth. And really we're looking at what the show could generate in a two-year period. The reason that I selected two years is because I feel like with podcasts, if you neglect it for too long, if you don't do anything to a show, if you're not producing any new episodes, you're not building audience, there is going to be a place where the audience is going to start to dwindle, right? Especially as we see new podcasts coming on the scene, addressing similar topics, but much more current, you know? Um, but podcasters can decide what they want to sell their podcast for. And, you know, going back to the real estate analogy, someone could come to me and say, oh, your home is worth $500,000. And I could say, well, I want 700,000 for it. And that's fine, right? You could price your house for whatever you want to price it for. Now, will there be a buyer for that house at that price? Maybe not. And so I feel like it's the same thing with the podcast. You know, I've had some shows where they've come to me. I mean, and we have shows that are, you know, $200,000, believe it or not, because they're making so much revenue and their audience sizes are so large. Um, but it's like, well, hey, I'm saying it's worth 200. You're saying you want 300. We'll just see if somebody wants to buy it for 300, then great, let's do it. And the podcasters have said, well, if somebody doesn't want to buy it, then I'm not going to buy it. You know, so those are the difference to really consider um, when looking at pricing. It's a, just a very interesting exercise for me. And certainly I appreciate your help in the process already so far. And I would have never thought about it without your thought leadership out there in the last uh, 30 seconds here as we're wrapping it up. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming on the show, Heather. Really appreciate you coming back. And uh, tell us the process. So I go to the podcastbroker.com and then what? Yeah, go to the podcastbroker.com if you're interested in selling your show, fill out um, the evaluation form and we'll get back to you with an evaluation. If you're interested in buying a show, you do have to come to me directly to get that list of shows. It's not something that's open to the public just yet. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.